cavity-free future? Is it possible? That is today's show. Hello and welcome to the Low Tox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and today is show 358 and I have the wonderful Dr. Stacey Whitman joining me all the way from over in Portland, Oregon, where she has her pediatric dental practice. She's a double board certified doctor of uh, pediatric dentistry and also naturopathic uh, physician. So she knows a lot, but today I have mined Stacy's knowledge and all of her research uh, and all of her experience as a dentist uh, diagnosing and treating hundreds and hundreds of families uh, when it comes to tooth decay and what to do with the next steps. And that is a neatly packaged hour of power on pediatric and general dental care because, frankly, I think if you're having cavity trouble, this is just as relevant for you. It's not just about kids. It's just that Stacy is uniquely positioned with what she's seeing uh, to report on and uh, think about the things that play into why on earth a one or a two-year-old is ending up with a cavity, sometimes when they haven't even eaten food yet. Uh, so that just goes to show why she doesn't put toothpaste at the number one position of the list on how to look after your teeth, because it isn't the major player as to why we are getting tooth decay. I hear so many low-tox parents who've maybe made the switch away from triclosan and SLS and all those things in their toothpaste, which often means they also then don't have the fluoride in the toothpaste and someone making them feel horrendously guilty for a child who then has cavities, saying it's the toothpaste. Stacy would like to challenge that, and she'll tell us why in today's show. Um, not that it's not a consideration at all, um, because we actually know about some key ingredients that can be very helpful in the toothpaste space, but just to say that there are a lot more things to consider when it comes to oral care and dental health and preventing uh, and reversing the cavity disaster that we have today. Uh, so it's really just not normal for us to all be marching our kids to get their fillings filled uh, just because lots of people do it. That doesn't make it <laughs> something that we should just accept. Uh, and today you're going to learn about some really important things that can be hugely beneficial if we start to do things a little bit differently. Uh, as well as looking at the crisis care of the situation. Like, what do I do today? What is the evidence that is going to help us this month? Uh, and it's really, really informative. So I'm going to hook into that in a little minute. I just want to, of course, let you know about the two wonderful brands helping you make your low-tox swaps a little easier on the pocket. The first one I have for you is for U.S., and New Zealand and Australian listeners, I love that. The code is Lotox Life, and you have 15% off at BioFirst. Uh, the URL is bio-first.com.au, and you'll be prompted if you're, say, in America right now and you look that up, it'll prompt you, oh, it looks like you're in America. So don't worry. You don't have to remember lots of different uh, information. It'll prompt you to switch to the American website nice and easy. 
Uh, and the reason I adore uh, partnering with this wonderful family business is because these genuine natural remedies actually work. And you just have to take a little trip down the comment section and the reviews of their website to see how impactful some of these products are. It's a small and mighty range. They have the Selfiel Salve. They have the Ultra Sensitive Skin Rescue Lotion, which recently came out. Uh, I think it was the end of last year. Uh, they have, of course, the Manuka Skin Saver, which has been a favorite at, in our family for a couple of years now. And they have uh, their wonderful lip care treatment, as well as their kids protect and restore um, throat spray, uh, which is more of an immune, uh, plant-based immune product uh, to um, support anyone heading into winter. So that's definitely one to think about for the US peeps who might be listening right now. But I want to make mention specifically of the Ultra Sensitive Skin Rescue Lotion. Uh, it's an incredible 100 mil pump size. It's only $50. So if you're converting that into American dollars, that's even less. 92% uh, of people that have been independently tested have reported improvement, improvement in skin dryness. It's completely steroid-free. You can even use it as a regular moisturizer. So if you're in that camp of, oh, I can't put anything on my skin, I just seem to react to everything, I can't do fragrance, well, even if it's natural, I just, uh, I, I'm at a loss. You can even use it in place of moisturizer. It's a beautiful, cocooning, protective uh, product that you can use from newborn to granny and every age in between. Uh, and it's specifically good for sensitive skin that's prone to eczema, rosacea, product reactions, allergies, rashes, redness, irritation, dryness, scaliness, and itchiness. Uh, so if you feel like your skin's working against you, uh, the reviews are pretty hectic on this. Lots of, I tried everything, I even gave up, I stopped using anything. Uh, it's that kind of situation. Brilliant product, beautiful product. Thank you so much. What can I say? Best product I've tried. I've tried everything. I tried ointments. I tried steroid creams. My wife bought me, bought me the BioFirst and it was truly a miracle. I'd recommend this to everyone. Those are the sorts of reviews that are common on that product. And I was asked just the other day about which, uh, like how you would decide whether to use the uh, Manuka Skin Saver or the Ultra Sensitive Skin Re Rescue Lotion. And the Manuka Skin Saver tends to be better for psoriasis uh, and skin damaged by uh, radiation treatment, including the sun. Uh, and uh, other cancer treatments. It can be really good uh, for post-cancer treatment. Uh, and it is, with the honey and with a couple more plant actives, more suited to the five years and over, so for kids and up rather than babies, whereas the ultra-sensitive skin rescue lotion you really can use on anyone. Uh, and there you go. 15% off, Lotox Life is your code. I would genuinely recommend that you share this with anyone who you know has skin troubles and has tried lots of different things. It is well worth a shot. Uh, and then our wonderful major sponsor, Oz Climate. You have 10% off with the code Lotox Life. 
If you haven't got yourself a dehumidifier ahead of the humid summer season here in Australia, especially if you're on the East Coast, especially if you're up in Queensland uh, or Sydney, you really need to get on board. Do not wait until there's a week of rain and they all sell out and then you can't find a dehumidifier. Get one now. Uh, I love having a couple of compact dehumidifiers that are easy to move around bedrooms, laundries, bathrooms. Uh, and wardrobes built in and walk in. Uh, but if you have a bigger kitchen living dining situation, then you want to be looking at the 35 or the 50 litre options, which really work uh, very hard with powerful motors to suck moisture out of bigger spaces. Uh, your code is Lotox Life. Your discount is 10% on top of their already discounted prices. And I saw they released a wonderful portable air conditioning unit that has replaceable cleanable filters, uh, which is fantastic because often dust gets into those and causes a whole other mold problem. So um, great that you can pull that apart and uh, and give it a good clean every month. That's it from our wonderful sponsors. Thank you so much to them all. And let's now talk dental care. I think you're going to find this really enlightening. Hey, Stacey, how are you doing? I'm wonderful, Alex. How are you? Thanks so much for having me. I'm great. We've been Insta friends for a while. I love your work. And Thank you. And we're here to talk um, pediatric, pediatric dental health because... This comes up a lot in our Lotox club. There's a lot of parents who are very concerned that maybe because I chose the natural toothpaste, that's why my kid has all the dental problems or, you know, there's just so much worry that we're doing the wrong thing either way. And it's about now starting to calm the farm, look at the facts and see how we can, we can, really move forward and make change for the crazy dental health situation we've ended up up in, you know, with seven-year-olds having fillings and. and Oh man, one-year-olds. Yeah. One-year-olds. Yes. Mm -hmm. Stress. Mm -hmm. So the fact that you just slipped in there that one-year-olds are needing fillings, let's start there. I mean, I'm just going to put my questions to the side for a second Yes. and say, how do we end up with a one-year-old with Mm -hmm. tooth decay? Because Mm -hmm. they haven't done anything yet. So what is happening before? Yeah. Um, Well, so it's important to know for the audience that cavities are the number one chronic disease globally in children and adults. Um, gum disease is also a top chronic disease and and it is on the rise again you know and why is that i think we've normalized cavities quite a bit and this isn't to shame if your child has them or you've had them but you need to we need to think about this from the whole body standpoint you know our bodies aren't meant to dissolve and degrade and you know enamel is the hardest substance in our body it's supposed to be the most mineral dense substance and it's degrading and dissolving and decaying at such a rate that pediatric dentists and dentists, like we're really having a hard time to, ca- to catch up with it, um, myself included. So one-year-olds, I mean, what I'm seeing, it, it can be so many things, but uh, I think we generally don't see cavities in children until food has been introduced. So this is another topic, but to moms who maybe have been shamed about breastfeeding and their breast milk causing cavities, there's ample data to show that is not true. It is not the breast milk. The breast milk may act as a catalyst, but that's not the root cause issue. 
So what I'm seeing is food introduction often is fermentable carbohydrates. So rice puffs and cereals and crackers and, you know, things that feed our pathogenic bacteria. So our pathogenic bacteria love fermentable carbohydrates. To simplify that, it's sugar and flour. It's flour also. And then, so you're introducing these foods, they're sticky. They create these sticky biofilms that the bacteria feed upon. And hygiene in a one-year-old is really challenging. It's hard, it's near to impossible. So you're not, you don't have the best hygiene to clean off these food remnants. Um, and then I'm also seeing, and I speak to colleagues globally about this, an uptick in undermineralized or hypoplastic enamel. Um, I had two anesthesia days this week. And so I treated 12 children under anesthesia, plus then I saw an additional almost 100 children in my normal practice. And it is a rare day when I see a child without hypoplastic enamel now. I mean, it's really devastating. And it's nothing the parents done wrong. This is generational. This is because of what we've done to our soil. You know, we're mineral deficient, we're vitamin deficient. And I know you want to talk about this maybe more later, but microplastics in the environment, we're, there's studies now showing that plastics are affecting amelogenesis or enamel formation. There's uh, more research going into are these genetic SNPs that are happening uh, that are making our enamel weaker. And so basically, what I'm trying to say is you have this weak tooth with a substrate of fermentable carbohydrate that's feeding pathogenic bacteria. And then you add breast milk to the mix, which has lactose, has sugar, and it just becomes this vicious cycle in this storm. But the littles, littles that I'm seeing with cavities, I, I really believe many of them have mineral deficient teeth. And sometimes we can't visually see that. You, you, we don't have an electron microscope looking at the integrity of this tooth on such a level. But when a baby's teeth are just dissolving from their mama's breast milk, there's, that's not supposed to happen, you know? And, and we're seeing a lot of that. And I think, I really believe it's what we've done to our environment um, and our food system. Um, it has a lot to do with how we're breathing too, you know, we're yeah, mouth breathing we're talk more. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, and that affects the microbiome. I mean, there's a few different boxes that I have to unpack and check. So it's usually not just one thing, but, um, it's a real problem. I'm, I'm very concerned about undermineralized teeth. I really am. Yeah. And I, I mean, the one time I had fillings and I needed seven all of a sudden mm -hmm. was after my baby was born. Like, yes. I, you know, I went to the dentist. Yep. I think he was maybe two. Of course, who, who's got time to go to the dentist before they're two? Um, <laughs> I went and then, you know, my naturopath was explaining it to me. She's like, think about what you just did. You just gave all of your minerals. He was 4.2 kilos by the time he was born. That's a lot of baby. That's a lot give, of baby. <laughs> to give yeah. your minerals to. Yes. And so if that parent didn't even have the minerals in the first yes. place because yes. they had a bunch of um, undernourishment in their life, uh, then you can see how the minerals don't then get into the baby and you end up with cavities at one. Is that, are we on yeah, the right track there? Absolutely. Yes. Yes. And so a lot of women do experience cavities and gum disease 
And again, this can be a separate conversation and there's hormonal changes and, but yes, our babies use a lot of um, our nourishment, you know, all of their nourishment. <laughs> so we see vitamin and mineral deficiencies in moms. And you're right, if they're all, if they're already deficient, then the baby is gonna be even more deficient. And so I really think this starts upstream, ideally preconception, um, it's a perfect world. That's not always possible for people um, if they don't know they're pregnant. But as soon as you find out you're pregnant, really trying to make sure you're optimized, optimized, yeah. not not normal, not mm. within range, optimized <laughs> for minerals, vitamin D, you know, making sure you're optimal magnesium. These these things are critical for bone and dental formation. Yeah, huge. And so let's look at optimization, uh, especially if maybe maybe you do a blood test and you realize, ooh, my minerals are really low and I've got a baby now. How do we like remineralize our babies for want of a better way of saying yeah. that? Well, ideally through the breast milk as they're being breastfed. So you'd want to work with a functional medicine doctor or a naturopath or an open-minded um, physician to potentially run an organic acid test or you know a mineral test on um, micronutrient panel there's very te various tests you can do gut um ass assess your gut through gi mapping and you know there's just so much that i think we're missing to be honest with you but work with them supplement that will transfer to some degree into your baby so breast milk um and then I do love vitamin D3, K2 supplementation if it's high quality. Um, I think most all of us need it. I know this can be controversial, but my argument is what's the alternative? We're just running around vitamin D deficient, which has a slew of health issues, including rampant decay, which is what I'm obviously biased because I'm I'm the one trying to You're the correct, one saying correct it. Yeah. all of this issue. And so, uh, yes, ideally sun, light is ideal but i'm in the pacific northwest and that's not possible and many people don't have that luxury because they're working and you know their kids might be in school it, it, there's this there's like textbook perfection and then there's real life and i think supplementing with a nice high quality vitamin d3 k2 while eating a very nutrient-dense diet is wonderful and you can raise your vitamin d levels and um, and then you can take a break from it a little bit and make, and make sure that your body remembers how to, you know, create its own vitamin D and try to get it in the sun when you can. But um, I really, for a dental perspective, like um, to see moms on a D3K2 and, and magnesium and minerals, trace minerals too. And then after birth, when I start seeing them, I, I will commonly recommend those as daily supplements from a dental health perspective. Yeah, brilliant. And you mentioned um, the sticky carbohydrates. And I was thinking as you were talking about that, the kind of situations where we see that in public and it is the typical um, parent with the stroller, kid in the pram, need to make the kid quiet, no judgment here, but this is what you see, um, need to, you know, just placate the child so that I can get my errands done. Very typical, normal sure. problem solving as a parent. Sure. Modern, but, modern problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but they're chewing on these baby mum mums and other types of um, crackers. Goldfish crackers. Yeah. Goldfish crackers are my nemesis. <laughs> I was just at Disney World 
And it's really hard. Again, I, it's absolutely no judgment. This is more like a me looking at it's just what's, looking at society. What's, just what's happened in modern yeah. society. Yeah. Mm. And all the kids, first of all, all the kids are in strollers. No one's walking, including eight, nine, 10, 11 year olds. Oh, wow. I was okay. shocked by. So there's that's, that. That's American. That's not us. That's very American. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, but I was shocked. Even my kids commented on it. But yeah, there, there, there's crackers and chips and granola bars and pretzels and fruit snacks and fruit leathers and candy and soda and sports drinks. And that's just what's available. I mean, it really takes so much effort to pack a bag of carrots and some apple slices and some meat sticks and it's hot, you know, popcorn, but those are the things I'd rather see kids snacking on. So it's okay to placate your child with food if you need to do that. I get it. We're, we are in modern society and this, we have to get our errands done, but trying to offer seaweed snacks or, you know, veggies, um, as I mentioned, meat sticks, cheese sticks, if you can do dairy, olives, pickles, nuts, seeds, you know, things that come from the earth. And it does it food yes food and it it takes a little more planning but you have to trust me I might seem like I'm super put together and organized I'm not I'm kind of a hot mess at home we fly by the seat of the pants because I'm doing way too many things <laughs> and I make it happen like I make it happen yeah. and it's not pretty and it can be kind of messy but it just takes buying some stasher bags or you know some some of those little snack pack grab bags and and throwing some food in there and having it be from something that came from the outer periphery of the grocery store and not the middle aisles and honestly and people will say too well it's so expensive i i really beg to differ on some of these things some of those processed foods are so expensive i mean i really think you'll find you'll save money and and honestly, time in the long run, because you won't be dealing with some of the health consequences that could come as a result, particularly, you know, dental disease. And and I'm not trying to be a downer. You know, as you can see, I'm in my, I'm coming hot off a day of seeing patients. I diagnosed so many cavities today. Mm, I mean, how, ma so, how many? Let's have a think back. You saw how many well, people today? Well, I saw 45 children today. So it was a really, really busy day at our office. We normally mm. don't see quite that many. Um, I, I, don't, I would say 200. Wow. Wow. One day yeah, of work. It, yeah, it, at least 200 cavities today. It was, it was almost every child. It was one of those days, like every child, even kids that have been coming to us who they have new cavities, which that doesn't happen very often because we really focus on education. But so many parents, they, I, I don't know what it is, but they admitted today, like, we're not flossing. Oh, we fell off the wagon. They're eating more. It's always goldfish crackers, I swear, or cheddar bunnies or um, pretzels, you know, those type of snack foods. So we're seeing more and more mouth breathing um, globally too, you know, airway issues are a silent epidemic too. So mm. is, this isn't meant to be like dark and gloomy, but like really, well, um, you have to start with the facts to start, you have to to start then with the facts. Yeah. Yeah. Solution, and, right? and the thing is too, if your child gets cavities, it's okay. Take a deep breath. They're going to be okay, but we really need to learn from this. Like look at it as an opportunity to make change. 
And what's cool with Mother Nature is she gives us a second chance. We have baby teeth and then we have adult teeth. So baby teeth are extremely important, but I really do think they're practice teeth. I mean, they're teaching us a lot about what it takes to keep a tooth healthy. And so hopefully your forward thinking dentist isn't just diagnosing a cavity and sending you out the door. Hopefully they're sitting down with you to try to unpack this. Is it a mineral deficiency? Are they vitamin D deficient? There's a big link with vitamin D deficiency and cavities. So do you know your child's vitamin D level? There's finger prick tests now. There's easier easier ways to test. Um, are you not flossing? Is it a hygiene issue? Is it an oral microbiome issue? Like, do they need some mi microbial support? Do they need prebiotics? Do they need probiotics? What's their gut health like? You know, do they have candida or H. pylori? Are they mouth breathing? So what's their airway like? Um, there's a lot to talk about, but you can learn so much from that. And so if we can, if we figure out, wow, my child has candida, well, we can uncover that and treat it and that's going to have profound systemic benefits on their child too far beyond their mouth so it, it health really does start in the mouth i know dentists say that we get side eye for it because we're trying to stay relevant it's true <laughs> health starts in the mouth like you look in where do hey we guys <laughs> yeah hi we're kind of cool like yeah we're not physicians but no but i back you guys up because it's <laughs> what it's a hundred diseases are known to originate yeah. in the mouth that we know of yeah you know they're they're doing so much with uh genetic testing and sequencing and you know if if you're familiar with ben lynch and his book dirty genes and they're talking about gene snaps they're tying a lot of those into oral health too and and you have this gene snap well, now you're more prone to xyz and it might be gluten intolerance well we know that gluten intolerance or leaky gut as an impact or a side effect can in fact impact mineral and vitamin absorption and bioavailability. And, you know, that can also uh, be linked like IBS and Crohn's. These can be linked to enamel effects, de um, deformations in the teeth. So it really is all linked. And so you that whole saying, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. I mean, we can learn a lot about a patient's health by just looking in their mouth. What does their tongue look like? What is their gum health like? What are their teeth like? Because it's not just staying in their mouth. If they have a mineral deficiency in their teeth, they have a mineral deficiency in their body. Mm. You know, that is guaranteed. So yeah. And then we think about the, th the ways that that plays out in the body. Yeah, absolutely. With, yeah, huge. So Something I want to uh, get clarification on, or at least your um, humble opinion, is tooth decay uh, not being a fluoride deficiency because it, it feels like 80% of the conversations people are having online about dental health is arguing which toothpaste to use. And I really feel like that should be the afterthought um, little like the little detail to figure out at the end rather than the focus. Can you talk us through how we ended up being so fluoride obsessed when uh, like it almost feels to me like that was a convenient thing to push so that we didn't focus on the processed food or, the you know, some of the other things. Interesting point. Uh, I wish I knew how we became so fluoride obsessed. I had this conversation with this mom today about it. Her husband's a public health um 
advocate and maybe works in the public health space and he is so pro fluoride and she said you know can i get more information just so i can have a conversation it's become like politics and religion Mm. it is wild to me i do not know how we got here because it is a medicament and we just can't have civilized rational conversations about it so okay first of all cavities do not form from lack of fluoride we do not have fluoride in our teeth. We don't. We don't have fluoride in our bodies. We don't need fluoride. No one suffers from a diagnosis of fluoride deficiency. You can't go to the store and get a supplement for fluoride. Now they write prescriptions, but I'm just saying you can get a vitamin C supplement, you can get a vitamin D supplement. You can't get a fluoride supplement because this doesn't exist. We get cavities because of food. That, if I'm going to simplify, I could argue how we're breathing, but I'd argue we're breathing poorly because of food. So ancestral humans, if you take a trip to New York City and you go to the Natural History Museum, look at the skulls of our ancestors. Go online and do it. 10,000 years ago, which isn't that long ago in human history, our teeth were perfect. We had very few cavities. There was some periodontal disease. That's another topic. No cavities and big wide airways why well because we were foraging we were not snacking all the time we were giving our mouths a break we were eating true food from the earth okay so around the agricultural revolution we started mass producing food we started growing wheat and corn and rice and and like really upping the ante with storables and um easier food to access. And then we started milling these foods and processing these foods. And then comes the industrialized revolution. And so now we add flour to everything and we add sugar to everything. And this this is a slow rise. And it was around the industrialized revolution where we really saw an uptick in cavities in humans. If you think of any other species on the planet, no other animals get cavities. Right now, you could argue some domesticated cats and dogs are now because of their kibble. But that'd be the kibble. Yeah, it's the Mm. kibble. But you don't see wolves walking around (laughs) with dental (laughs) abscesses because they're not eating fermentable carbohydrates. They're not eating crackers and chips and go-gurts and frappuccinos. So then come, come, there was an observational study, if you will, and more just an observation of a dentist in Colorado who found that his patients had very few cavities. They had these very mottled, chalky looking teeth, but they were so strong and resilient. And he tested the water and it was off the charts with fluoride. And so my understanding through this, this, the history that I've read is this gentleman he was just more saying wow this is interesting and others went with it and they just it went like wildflower and then they started fluoridating the water in um michigan there was never any safety studies on this it was the 1940s so they just started saying oh correlation does equal causation you know they weren't thinking from evidence-based medicine standpoint so we just started putting fluoride on everything fluoride 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 but no safety studies. And, um, you know, we know it's classified as a neurotoxin. And 
there's no way to titrate our exposure, especially with water fluoridation. We know now that fluoride works topically, not systemically. So we don't we shouldn't even really be ingesting it, in my opinion, for it to even work. But the whole point is it's a band-aid. It's a band-aid for the elephant in the room, which is big food. And it's how we're eating. And unfortunately, we've changed generationally now, epigenetics, we've changed our microbiomes. And now we've changed the mineral content of our teeth. And so it, can it prevent cavities? Sure. Can it make your teeth more acid resistant? Sure. Some argue it actually alters the enamel in a way that makes it weaker. Some argue that it's, it's antimicrobial, so it's wiping out beneficial bacteria. Um, I don't disagree with these thoughts. I think it's give, been given way more credit than it deserves. But I will tell you, I've zillions of humans that I've met in my life that don't use fluoride and they're very healthy. And I have lots and zillions of patients that use fluoride and they get cavities. So the, the other thing too, I've said this, fluoride is no match for big food. Why are cavities on the rise again? Why do we still have cavities? Why, is, why are cavities the number one chronic disease globally if fluoride's the answer? We've had fluoride since the 19, 1940s. Fluoride, I mean, that should be enough, right? It's only been new, a newer movement to move away from fluoride, in my opinion. Like, I haven't used it for 20 years, but... So anyway, yeah, the toothpaste, it's an afterthought. I think if you eat any form of car fermentable carbohydrate, which let's be real, we all do, unless you're strict paleo, and I'm not necessarily advocating for that, but you should have a toothpaste ideally with some form of remineralizer, ideally. I prefer hydroxyapatite because I'm a biomimetic dentist. I like things that mimic biology. Our enamel is made of hydroxyapatite which is calcium and phosphorus. It's in our saliva. That is what's in our bone. So why not replace what, and what do you lose when your tooth becomes demineralized? It loses hydroxyapatite minerals. So why don't we replace hydroxyapatite with hydroxyapatite? What we do with fluoride is we, we turn it into fluorapatite. So it's like a Franken molecule. Um, it's not even what's found in nature. So, you know, I have concerns with it. I've, I do no harm, right? I took an oath, do no harm. I can't look a parent in the eye and say, I can confidently tell you that day after day of your child ingesting fluoride will have no negative effect on them because there's a lot of research to say it is affecting children, especially pregnant women and infants through water fluoridation, that it's affecting um, IQ, it's lowering IQ and it can affect um, basically neurodevelopmental issues, not to mention endocrine disrupting issues like thyroid and thyroid, yeah, all kinds of stuff. So I just think uh, even if it did all the beautiful things it does to the teeth, like at what cost? And that's where I don't get the argument. Like, why are we so hellbent on fluoride when it could be affecting the brain development of children? Like, why can't we have a rational, calm, professional, thoughtful conversation about this. But instead, if you even talk about it and you say, well, the research now, and there's an NTP report, which is the National Toxicology Program released um, a report that, you know, basically says there, there's no safety data 
on water fluoridation. So we shouldn't really be fluoridating our water. We have no safety data. There's a federal lawsuit in the United States that's a huge um, where the judge may take fluoride out of the water. I don't know how he's going to rule. I will tell you, I've listened to all the testimonials and read the dissertations and things. It doesn't look good for water fluoridation. Um, you know, I just don't understand why we can't have these conversations and just say, hey, that was a good idea at the time, but now we know better. And so because now we know better and we have better science, maybe we should look for other safer alternatives. Oh, and also, can we start talking about big food and holding them more responsible for what they're doing to our health globally because they're they're the villain it's it's the it's the food companies that are the villain <clears throat> so but instead we villainize you know little doctors like myself who are like hey guys uh <laughs> i think we should just be having a talk about this like can we just have a talk and they just think you're woo woo and you're crazy and it's unfortunate it yeah. is unfortunate. I feel like, and this comes up so often on the show, chatting to health professionals like you who just want to debate, who just actually want to be able to discuss science where it is now with <clears throat> everything we know now mm-hmm. um, yeah. and, and accept the evolution of thought and science because yeah. they always evolve. Uh, That's and- the whole definition of science is yeah. it changes and you're supposed to challenge it and create new hypotheses and test those hypotheses. That's how we move forward in, in, in how we are evolving, you know, but I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Like it, it, it bums me out. It really does. But there's a, there's a slow movement. It's coming from, it's coming from patients and it's coming from concerned moms and it's coming from providers who get fr- this is what happened to me i mean i used to i used to think fluoride was the bee's knees because that's what i was taught in school and i never questioned it mm. i never and, and questioned so when it. did you question it stacy at what point did you go home you know i it, i i personally always lived a cleaner lifestyle myself as best as i knew at the time so I was reading my magazines and stuff, and I was reading about the fluoride concern. So I always was kind of like, mm, I think I'm not going to really use fluoride. That sounds like something I want to use, but I still was recommended to patients. Like, what is that? So I don't know. I wasn't very far out, maybe a year out in dentistry, and I really just had this aha moment. I was a general dentist at that time, and I said, gosh, all this fluoride and all this stuff that we're saying, and these patients keep coming back with unhealthy teeth more cavities, gum disease, periodontal disease, nothing is reversing. I'm not seeing anything working, you know? And so I just started digging deeper and it was a slow evolution. I just tried to read more and more research. I'd say I've become very vocal about it the past four or five years is this lawsuit has been happening and I'm, I'm really sitting down and actually reading the studies. And that's the other thing is unfortunately, I don't find many of my colleagues are reading the studies. It takes a lot Mm, of time. It does. It takes so much time. You have to find it. It's not front page news. So you have to find it. You have to make sure it's a reputable source. You have to understand how to read research. They don't teach us that in dental school, by the way. Specialty programs learn more about reading research. Dentists, I mean, sorry, I I don't want to misspeak. I'm going to generalize. Most programs don't teach anything about actually understanding and reading a research study. So 
Um, and you have to unpack all the the points of view in it. I mean, it's taken me, I don't even know, hundreds of hours I've spent just on fluoride and speaking to colleagues and speaking to experts and not listening to the American Dental Association and not listening to my dental colleagues. I'm listening to biochemists, neuroscientists, endocrinologists, you know, molecular mm, bio- people whose meal ticket isn't supported by the previous thinking. And are all, yes, yeah. but are also looking at it differently, not just yeah. focusing on the tooth, but let's focus on this very negatively charged element fluoride like what actually is it what does it actually do in the body and it can wreak havoc i mean it competes with iodine i mean i i've never met an endocrinologist that doesn't have something very opinionated to say about fluoride so um i just wish we were more open-minded yeah and then you get specialists fighting specialists about different body parts instead Mm -hmm. of thinking holistically about what might help all the body parts Yes. Yeah. And I do like to say this too. First of all, the fluoride studies, they're not impressive. I mean, the latest, the latest studies are showing if you use fluoride toothpaste and, you know, fluoride um, varnish, you might get one less cavity. That one less cavity, that's not a lot when I diagnose 200 cavities in one day. So, but I also say this to parents who are just wanting more information. I say, you know, at the end of the day, I can fix a tooth. That's what I'm supposed to do. I fix teeth, but I can't fix the brain. I can't fix your child's developing brain. And so I have concerns with that. I, especially the young, young kids that are exposed to too much, especially flu fluoridation. So I don't know. And I, I hydroxyapatite is performing just as well and even outperforming fluoride in the research. So why wouldn't we use it? Mm. Yeah, why wouldn't we? So it's an awesome thing to to look at and explore for people who are listening. But I do want to ask one more fluoride question because this comes up even with holistic dentistry where it almost seems to be like a okay sometimes. Um, in your view, is topical fluoride ever called for okay sometimes? Like let's just say um, the child has other issues around like extreme sensory picky eating right now and they mm-hmm, literally mm-hmm. won't budge off the um the carbohydrate snacks sure. um, like sure. that because everyone goes oh well that all sounds fine but you don't know my life and I always like to just try and yeah. make sure no, we're absolutely covering. I this is the way I practice I really mm. try to practice based on the family's needs um yeah I think it's reasonable for sure I don't think you need to though because I truly deeply promote because of the science that nano hydroxyapatite is just as effective as fluoride. So if you find a nano hydroxyapatite, not micro, nano. Now I know nano hydroxyapatite has a little bit of controversy. I'm going to address that right now too. Uh, Please don't listen to every influencer on social media. (laughs) So there were concerns with nanoparticles. For mm. sure. The SCCS in, in Europe, in the EU, said, you know what? We should look at nanohydroxyapatite in cosmetics, which includes toothpaste, to make sure these are safe. So that's what spread, that the SCCS was looking at nanoparticles in toothpaste, which is great. We want them doing that. We want testing and due diligence. 
where they're not connecting the dots is what did they find in all of these years of research? They concluded that certain types of high quality nano hydroxapatite is perfectly safe. Perfectly safe. It depends on the size and the shape and the source. Well, that's like anything. You don't want to be using cosmetics that have lead and you know what I mean? Like the source matters. So does your, does your nano hydroxyapatite come from China or does it come from this really reputable manufacturing facility in Portugal? You know, and so the SCCS breaks that down. So I'm very comfortable with nanoparticles if they're the right type. And I think it's great because now it's making companies become forcing them to be more transparent and actually pay for higher quality ingredients in their formulations in their products. yeah and yeah, their formulations because you know it'd be if you can get this vat of hydroxyapatite from china for a dollar but this really high quality stuff from portugal costs twenty dollars you know if you're thinking about profit margins you're going to go with the chinese one but so you got to be careful and you got to email you need to email these companies um, and if they won't give you information based on proprietary formula or, you know, forget it. I just, yeah. the, the lack of transparency drives me crazy. Red flag, right? And I mean, Red flag. Conver conversely, you could end up with a super reputable, independently testing Chinese manufacturer and a really fair. dodgy guy in Europe as well. Fair, fair, like, fair. You really yeah, could. They, yeah. I will say the SCCS specifically has said Fluidi Nova is the manufacturing company and mm. they're out of Portugal. That's why I said that, awesome. that they're, they're a thumbs up. Yeah. And that is what I know for a fact, Boca uses it in Risewell Pro. And I only have been recommending those for a reason because they're the only ones that will tell us where they're getting their hydroxyapatite from and i will tell you if you're using fluidy novus hydroxyapatite you're going to be yelling it from the rooftops it's like a badge of honor because you're using such a high quality nano material if you're the company's not telling you red flag mm. my opinion my yeah opinion. no it's not your opinion stacy it's a fact <laughs> i get yeah. asked all the time is this product okay is this product okay and i'm like how many times did you have to click through their website to some obscure six-point font PDF attachment to find the safety data? If you have to I do am that. so happy you say oh, that. Oh, my goodness. So I'm looking at toothpaste ingredients constantly because it is it is a passion of mine because I think most toothpaste is pretty terrible. I'll be honest. I think we have so many emulsifiers and surfactants and toxic ingredients even some of the cleaner ones they they're greenwash when i go on a website i there should be an easy place to click and find ingredients if i have to spend five or ten minutes trying to find it i'm telling you i've developed enough websites that's intentional <laughs> that is intentional they are burying that trying to hope that the consumer gives up i'm convinced mm. of it Mm -hmm. And if, if you're listening and you own a product and you're like, I don't do that, then make, create your website, please, to be easier to find ingredients. And yeah, an SDS safety data sheet or third-party testing or any of that. It's important, yeah. like really make it easy to find. That's it. We see it in processed food as well. You'll see like three ticks on the front, gluten-free, additive-free, uh, all natural or whatever with their little green ticks. The real story is in the ingredient list, not in the three things they tell you on the front. And The front is all marketing. It's mm -hmm. all marketing for every single product. 
the front is marketing the back is where you want to be reading and even worse there's some products they don't put their ingredients on the tube they'll put it on the box yeah then you throw you, the box you away, throw the and, box it's not away. On the job. and then you're like wait what's in here I well, that's cosmetics cosmetics I doesn't have to Drives and me so bonkers. yeah and <clears throat> so like then you're not reminded day after day as you put on your moisturizer Yes. about this huge wad of chemical names on your yes. jar because they're not there. And right. so it's you're just connecting to the romance of what you're doing. Mm. I mean, I've worked in product development. I'm telling you a lot of time goes into this stuff. It's, I really think it's, it's intentional. It's mm-hmm. all intentional. Yeah. 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 Um, now, speaking of intentions, we can have the best of intentions for our kids to have great dental health and great hygiene. Um, asking for a mom of teen here. Yes, <laughs> how yes, do we, yes. How do we get our kids flossing? How do we do yeah, that? Yeah, gosh, I know. <laughs> because um, you think fl- you say flossing is more more important than brushing. I do because leaky gums. So we know about leaky gut. There's leaky gums. If your gums bleed, if there's pink in the sink, that is now a way for bacteria in the mouth to get into the um you know, our blood supply and our our, uh, vascular system, our lymphatic system, and they travel all throughout the body. They catch a free ride and they end up in places they shouldn't. And we know there's a lot of link and connection now to oral bacteria with Alzheimer's and dementia, fertility issues, erectile dysfunction, cardiovascular disease, rheumatoid arthritis, autoimmune issues, diabetes, type two, it goes on and on. So that's why I like to start really early in kids. It's yes, it's for cavity prevention because the 200 cavities I found today, 199, I'm sure were in between the teeth. I mean, they're always in between and it's because of our snack foods. We're eating crackers. The crackers get lodged between the teeth. You don't know it's there, but it's, it's fine particles of flour and the bacteria feed on that and they release acid and those cause cavities. So I'd like to start very early in kids so that you don't have teens that we're now trying to strategize how to floss because they're just flossers. But let's say we've missed that window of opportunity, that's okay. Teens are tricky. I mean, you have to do what's right for your kid. I would, I don't know, I mean, talk about I'm just going to um, play this episode. We're just going to sit down and listen to it Play together. this episode. <laughs> I mean, you could go show YouTube videos. I'm not trying to like mm. lead by fear, but show them gum disease. Talk to them about brain health, maybe. I think a lot of men, I wouldn't say teen boys, but men, the erectile dysfunction thing gets them mm-hmm. like, their yeah. attention very quickly. And also a lot of adults, Alzheimer's and dementia. If I say if I say autoimmune and blah blah, they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. If I say it's linked to Alzheimer's and dementia, whoop, you'll see everyone go, oh, really? Wait, I floss my teeth and I'll have less a lower risk of Alzheimer's? Like, yes, you absolutely will. Because P. gingivalis is a terrible bacteria in our mouth that's associated with periodontal disease. And it is being found in the brains of Alzheimer's patients. And it's being found in um just bad places i won't it can be it can get dark (laughs) i won't talk about it but we have preterm late we have preterm births and you know miscarriages like all kinds of things that can be linked 
to oral bacteria. So it's a big deal. Yeah. For, well, it's why I've got a dentist in our preconception course. And a lot of people think, why awesome. is there a dentist in there? Yeah. Like, because. Oh, fertility. About it. If you can't yeah. get pregnant, the first thing that they should be doing is looking at your oral health. I mean, they should be screening for periodontal disease for both partners. It's not just the woman because it affects sperm mobility and motility too. Yeah. And quality. And so. so so it sounds like you have to find the why of the person, which, you, you know, that, that's it, isn't it? You have to it's find what's going to the make person. them mm-hmm. want to want to change. So, yeah. you know, if they're into girls, then maybe, uh, or boys and, and you just fresh, yeah, fresh there, breath and appearances mm-hmm. and, yeah. um, you know, I, I think it's reasonable to look on Google and YouTube and just show bone loss and gum disease and. I mean, yeah, like, like you that, know, teens um, are based on aesthetics sometimes. Yeah. So I can't even remember what the documentary was. I think maybe it was that sugar film um, that Damon Gamo did uh, where mm. there was the Mountain Dew expose and the kid mm. who, the teenager who just, their mouth was all kinds of a mess. And, uh, and I think I, I, I appreciate you saying, I don't want to lead with fear, but at the same time, that can be, sometimes it's like, well, the, it's, it's the visual, mm. it's an educational tool. Cause it's how you present it. Cause you could say, look at this, like doom and gloom, or you could just say, you can just, it's all about presentation. Cause say, so this, this person doesn't floss. You see their gums, they, they're not really not healthy and that can affect your heart and your brain. And, you know, I will say teens are tricky. So, you know, I do find a lot of teens water picks work really well for them. And, um, or get a suction cup mirror and put floss, toothbrush, toothpaste in the shower. They're all looking for an excuse to stay in the shower longer. <laughs> Just have them do it there. Mm. Leave some floss picks on the nightstand in a bowl. Just kind of leave them around so like hopefully they'll do it here and there. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But, you know, sometimes there's a certain age group that it just will just ride it out and then they're going to get their first dental report where they're told they need a scaling and root planning, cleaning or something, and and that's where they'll get motivated because we all need our why. You're right. And... And that's why I like to create habits in childhood if we can. So that child just grows up becoming a flosser and it's not even a thing we have to worry about, but, but they'll get there. I didn't floss until dental school. I mean, I didn't, no one told, I mean, I did occasionally like, 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 yeah, you know, I food in between my teeth. Um, and then I got into dental school and I was like, whoa. Mm. this is bad not to do this I'm gonna definitely do this every day <laughs> so anyway you know yeah uh, you you let your mess be your message right you yeah. literally took your poor dental hygiene as a teen uh yeah. into turning it into a career uh which yes. is you know yes. that's powerful yeah um, so I want to ask you about hormone disruptors, endocrine disruptors, because we often yeah. think about these for <laughs> our hormones and uh, other issues that might present in the body, but people don't know that they're actually enamel formation disruptive. And and the conversation yeah. we usually have around enamel is minerals. And, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. we've talked about the, um, the awesome D3K2 type of supplement. Mm-hmm. What are these endocrine disruptors? How are they disrupting enamel formation? 
Yeah, it's a good question. They're still they're still researching it. This is fairly new research, I'd say within the past few years. So we do know tooth formation is hormonally driven. Um, and they the studies I've read, they don't they can't they're not really able to unpack exactly what the correlation is, but they know that these microplastics obviously are affecting progesterone and estrogen and you know a lot of our hormones and mimicking and causing imbalances and that is affecting it's called amelogenesis so the cells that eventually produce the enamel organ of the tooth um and so it's a big deal i mean because so many parents come in they're like no i had a great pregnancy i was vitamin d optimal and you know if it's microplastics there it's again, it can be so overwhelming. I don't want it to be because, you know, I guarantee I have microplastics in my body. Of course I do. We all do. Mm, yeah. But sometimes it's nice to know the why, you know, and then we just do the best we can to avoid, you know, like microwaving plastic, eating out of plastic, storing food in plastic, coffee cups, BPA, you know, as I drink out of I took the lid off, but you know, we do what we can. I know I shouldn't be drinking out of that. I was rushing and I did the best I could, you know, the receipts and, and then like, how do we support ourselves with detoxification and, you know, do we donate blood quarterly or, you know, there's different strategies now to, to deal with microplastics. And I think there's newer technology and advancements coming out. But yeah, just knowing it's bigger than it's bigger than just your thyroid. It's bigger than just, you know, girls and boys going through puberty earlier. These are having bigger systemic impacts than we maybe ever realized. Yeah, 100%. Including our teeth, you know. Mm. So it's just important to just reduce and minimize as much as you can. Yeah, another and reason. clothing, like that's a big one too, like polyesters and it's just oh, it's everywhere. I know. It's and everyone's everywhere. wearing activewear like a wardrobe now instead <laughs> I of know. just for their yoga class. I know. Yeah. And mm. I do the best I can. I'm for sure. I still have some mm. of my yoga pants that I know aren't yeah. great. So I make sure I wear on, you know, just wear them for yoga underwear. is my, yeah, is my caution. Yeah. Do not then wear them to the All lunch day. after yep. and to the thing, just like get changed and then just wear natural fibers. Yeah. Yep. Get changed, mm. sleep. I mean, you, we can drive ourselves crazy with some of this stuff. So the other thing to remember is like life is about laughter and joy and community and sleep and hydration and sun and movement. And there's all these wonderful things that you can do to also be extremely healthy you know mm -hmm. and if things go awry we have there's solutions sometimes too but it's just trying to find the team that listens and supports you and is maybe thinking outside of the box a little bit and connecting the dots and, and looking at the whole human yeah 100 percent. and so can we talk about breathing because that is one of the things we can do yeah. that has the yes. biggest impact yes and yet now with the teeth crowding and the narrower airways because again of the industrial processed food that we're now a few generations into um we obviously can't change the past 
But have you seen um, powerful ways of retraining breathing and working with what we do have that really does end up making an impact? And, and if you could first, I guess, explain why mouth breathing also leads to more decay statistically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. So first of all, just back to industrialized food, you know, why did that impact our jaw shape and skull shape, if you will, because we're not chewing like we used to. So we used to chew, um, I've read some anthropologists estimating up to four hours a day, and now we chew four minutes a day. And so the act of chewing form follows function. So you're chewing, the muscles are pushing out and the bone follows in a battle between muscle and bone, muscle wins. Okay, so chew, 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 your face grows. Your tongue is this huge muscle. So um, we want the tongue up, we want the lips closed, we wanna be nasal breathing. But what can we do to fix that? Well, it just depends. Like, is it a true structural issue? Like, are your jaws too narrow? Do you have a deviated septum? Do you have enlarged uh, adenoids or tonsils? Do you have a tongue tie? So we need to unpack some of these things to understand how do we get you breathing better? But I, I like what you said, because what we are missing, I think, is actually breathing rehabilitation. So like breath work. So whether it's buteco breathing or box breathing, you know, whatever style, there's so many styles of breathing, but we breathe too fast. We breathe too shallow. We hyperventilate, um, fight or flight all the time. Go, 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 go. And so sometimes just learning some of these simple breath techniques, there's like apps now to help you retrain breathing. I think Calm has some stuff. I'll try to find, I can't, they're not jumping off the top of my head right now, but there are apps to help you retrain your breathing. Of course, there's like Wim Hof and Buteco. Um, You can hum and simulate your vagus nerve, but all of that's going to help with breathing rehabilitation. But if, but if there is an underlying structural issue, we do need to address that. And that's either through orthodontic expansion Maybe you need a tongue release, maybe you need myofunctional therapy, maybe you need craniosacral therapy, um, maybe you need a little sinus surgery. It's, it's just really hard to say what you need. And it's very so much from individual to individual. Mm. And to not it, feel bad about whatever that solution is, because the end goal is to get you breathing properly. Oxygen. Mm. I mean, I didn't come up with this, but what's the most important what's the most important nutrient that we need what can we not live without for three minutes oxygen three minutes oxygen Mm. oxygen you need optimal oxygen so everybody says this is the most important thing for health it's sleep this is the most important thing for health it's water everyone's gonna have opinions i would argue it's oxygen we need optimal oxygenation we need a regulated nervous system and then everything builds upon that you know, um, so working with an airway focused dentist, a lot of functional dentists have additional training and airway screening and even treating airway issues, at least helping you get to the right resources too. But don't underestimate the power of how you're breathing when you sleep. Snoring is not normal. It's not cute in your kids. You know, of course, if you have a cold, different story, but chronic perpetual noisy breathing, breath holding, grinding, snoring, tossing and turning, 
I mean, we see a lot of children with behavioral issues from from these things like AD, they mimic, it can mimic ADHD. It can affect hormones when we get into our deeper restorative sleep stages. Hormones are released like um, antidiuretic hormones. We might see prolonged bedwetting. Uh, growth hormone is released. So sometimes we have a smaller stature. The kids almost look like failure to thrive. They're not getting enough oxygen and they're not having their optimal hormone, you know, cascades happening too, just because they're not getting into their proper sleep cycles. And a lot of parents will say, he sleeps straight through the night. But I argue, what is the quality of sleep? So just because the child stays in the bed all night, we don't know what's really happening in their sleep cycles. And what are what are your favorite ways to figure that out? Uh, observation. Mm. Honestly, I mean, I use an aura ring. Okay, yeah, so I think me too. <laughs> they're it's amazing. It's mm. been a game game changer for me. I'm not super into wearables or technology, but this is one I can really get behind. I think it's I, very cool. I completely agree. Yeah, it's mm. changed my life, honestly. Um, and I am I do not get any kickbacks from the company. I promise you. I wish I did. Uh, <laughs> so watching your child sleep. How do they sleep? Is their mouth open? Do they toss and turn? Are they spinning around in their bed? Their bed sheets are all twisted. Do they seem exhausted when they wake up? Usually you'll see behavioral issues. Are they more emotional? Are they jumpier? Are they light sensitive, sound sensitive? Do Are we starting to think they have ADHD traits? You know, um, they just can't regulate. And it's because while they sleep, they're in fight or flight, you know, they're obstructing. <clears throat> That's fight or flight. Their brain is going run away from the tiger all night long. They're supposed to be in sympathetic rest or digest. So they're run, they're edgy. They're running in a very imbalanced state and that can catch up with you over time. And we really want to catch that early just to set them up into a life of more balance. Cause it's really hard to unpack some of this stuff when you're older. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. And it, it can feel like it's a big task now. It's going to be a much bigger task when they're an adult. I totally agree. Much bigger with more downstream effects, mm-hmm. you know, that have yeah. been going on for more and more years. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And, and so you mentioned um, procedures and orthodontics there just briefly. So I just wanted to ask you a question on that because a lot of people worry about the glues and the resins and things that get used in permanent structures. Sure, but, sure. but if we then think hierarchically about what mm-hmm. the most important thing is for yes. health back to oxygen, yes, should we maybe spend more time focusing on that positive? Yes. Great. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. We can't be perfect. We have to let go of this idea of complete you know, purity. Mm, It doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. It doesn't exist. You are exposed, like I said, to microplastics every day. You're exposed to lead every day. You're going to be exposed to fluoride, but you do what you can. But um, there are cleaner materials out there, but it's risk benefit. Your child's airway health, how they're breathing, how they're, you know, utilizing oxygen and, and getting oxygen, is so much more important than 12 to 18 months of a material bonded onto their tooth that probably has little to no release of fluoride in it. 
you know, it truly that 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 amount of fluoride is not the concern. The concern is water fluoridation. It's kids that are drinking it. They're cooking their food in it. They're drinking formula out of it. They're bathing in it. They're, you know, making soup in it. Their medication has it. Their toothpaste has it. Their rinse has it. That is the concern. It's not a little bit of cement on a tooth. I promise. The other thing with a lot of these cements, people don't realize. So they say they're fluoride releasing. The only way they're really going to get activated. So there's fluoride in there, but it really does kind of lock in once you cure it or it dries, but it will get reactivated if you expose the material to more fluoride. So don't do that. Don't use fluoride and it won't get reactivated. So it's great. Mm. You're fine. So back we come. Hydroxyapatite. <laughs> yeah. You, I mean, you, yeah, you just have to find balance. I think it's so healthy. I will tell you post COVID, I've seen so much more anxiety and mental health and everyone has, I think, but in my practice, I have so many parents that come in and they're just nervous, nervous humans and they're anxious and they have stacks of papers from the internet and research and and i think that's wonderful that's not what i'm saying here if but if you can handle that i think we have information overload and then you just it puts you into the state of fight or flight because then you shut down you can't make a decision because there's too much information well this person says that and this person says this and i think that is more unhealthy for you than picking up a receipt with BPA on it or putting some fluoride varnish on your teeth because that's chronic all day every day chronic anxiety chronic stress I think stress is the number one thing that's damaging our health and longevity um and so you have to find that balance within and that might be learning breath work or yoga or meditation or turning off social media turning off the news only going to a certain few sources that you trust and just pushing out the others because there's always going to be different opinions and you it's just too much I, i've had to do that myself it's just too much it's overwhelming so yeah anyway. it is uh, yeah I, i'm always in two minds about that because i absolutely agree stress will kill you faster than a tiny bit of cement on a tooth that's got braces 100 percent um, then I sort of get, uh, what's the word? Um, I get worried about our lack of resilience in debate and actually having differing opinions and not being stressed or triggered by that as well. And how that then, you know, if we do turn off all the sources, I know you'll agree with me here. I know what you were saying was absolutely, um, uh, in good faith that those sources would then be um, really well-researched and you knew that they were telling the truth. But in this day and age, because we're not exposed to much debate anymore because of the silos and algorithms and all the things, um, it's almost like our thought processes have been weakened. And we're, you know, so it's like, well, we still have to exercise that muscle as well. 100%. And if Mm. you can handle it, 
great like i just think know mm. yourself yeah great like i'm yeah. pretty tolerant of information i can filter pretty easily i can be like that's a guy's a charlatan and that person doesn't fully understand how to read research like i can filter pretty well but i even feel it impact myself but you know i agree with you um i just i also think we just need to think of things bio individually like you, you're, you, as a child, and your child might be able to be exposed to fluoride day in and day out and have no ill effects from it. And someone else's child might have neurodevelopmental issues. That's what we're unpacking. Like, why? Why is that? Is it their detox pathway? Is it a, ge a genetic SNP, genetic predisposition, something with the gut microbiome, their immune health, their hormone? We don't no. So that's why any of these blanket statements, I think, need to be taken with caution. I, I do think it's reasonable, you know, if you're trying to avoid neurotoxins, I think that's a reasonable goal. I think that's a reasonable yeah, goal. Yeah. I'm personally trying to avoid ne any neurotoxin. So that's what I do. But, you know, if if my kids are at their grandmother's house and she uses crest on them one night, I'm not going to stress about that. Mm. It'll be fine. Yeah. I'm happy she brushed her teeth. That's great. Yeah, exactly. You know, because, like they're going to yeah. be okay. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. I, I totally agree. We are 100% on the same page. And so can I ask you then to finish, what does a day in your dental health look like? What does Dr. Stacy do? Me? Oh. Mm. I've never been asked this before. Oh, really? Well, there you go. Someone's paying I'm... attention to you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a minimalist. Mm -hmm. I mean, I really am a minimalist. So what do I do in the morning? I mean, I I do drink lemon water many mornings. So be careful with that. Um, just make sure you drink a straw. It doesn't really have to do with my dental health, but I do do that. That being said... I will eat my breakfast and then I wait to do my oral hygiene routine for about 30 minutes after I've eaten my breakfast, even though I really pretty much only eat a protein breakfast, heavy protein. Um, so I, I floss in the morning and then I brush and then I will often oil pull. Um, I don't do it every day. I do it a few days a week. Because, uh, you know, coconut oil is an antimicrobial, so I don't want to overdo it and, and damage my healthy bacteria. But I do it a couple days a week. I feel like a million bucks. And I will sometimes, if I can, brush my teeth at lunch after I've eaten lunch, if I have time, just because my teeth feel gross. But if sometimes I don't have time, um, I drink a ton of water throughout the day. I don't snack. And I'm telling you this because I think this is all part of, hy of oral hygiene. I don't snack. I really eat protein heavy meals, three meals a day. I do sometimes, you know, I do my own version of intermittent fasting, but blah, blah, blah. So then at night, I tongue scrape, floss or water pick, I alternate and brush. And then I think sinus hygiene is part of oral hygiene. So I either neti pot, or I do B propolis, or I do oregano, or I kind of mix that up, what I'm doing. Sinus clearing, and then I lip tape. 
Oh, you asked me why does mouth breathing maybe cause cavities? I didn't answer that. So the reason is when we breathe through our mouth, our mouth dries out. That's zero stomia. So our saliva is very beneficial with all those minerals and enzymes and things are very protective. And the, the healthy bacteria, which have immune function, and they help with ion exchange and mineral exchange in our teeth. So if a dry, a dry mouth will automatically increase your cavity risk, not to mention a dry mouth tends to be more acidic. So the pH has dropped. Um, pathogenic bacteria love acid. They can only live in acidic environments. They can't live in neutral or alkaline environments. So mouth breathing dries the mouth out, lowers the pH, pathogenic bacteria. And so we see just, you know, a lot of medications create xerostomia. We know a lot of cancer patients who have had radiation will have dry mouth and their teeth just fall apart. I mean, it's really, really sad. So that that's why mouth breathing. But anyway, that's my oral hygiene routine too. So I lip tape and that's what I do. Very impressive. And so I yeah. have a bonus round question, Dr. Stacey. When do you go with the flow? Like when do you eat something that dentists don't recommend? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I I, and I'm asking I, you this because I just think people need to remember that even our health professionals do not live these perfect 100% Oh, lives. I definitely don't. No yeah. way. Um, I'm a, I, I, maybe this is a cheesy thing to say. I'm a very intuitive eater. So I generally only want meat and vegetables but occasionally at night, I just get this feeling in my body that I'm like, I need some sugar. So I'll eat fruit or dark chocolate. Um, but if I'm at a birthday party or a restaurant and there's this delicious chocolate cake thing happening, I'll eat it. I won't eat a lot of it because I just, my you palate don't have a taste has for changed. It anymore. I don't yeah. have a taste for it anymore, but I'll have a few bites of it. I, I indulge. I don't overthink it. But I'm I'm definitely not eating these things every day because my body just doesn't want them. But you know, if my husband brings home a don't some donuts or something, I'll have some donut. And I will tell you, I usually regret it ten minutes later. I'm like, ugh, <laughs> that I feel awful. But <laughs> it tasted good. It tasted really good. My it made my brain happy for a minute. You know, yeah, that's so fine. That's totally yeah. fine. And I, I appreciate you sharing that. And it's, it's uh, really important for I, what I think the message that I really liked about everything you just said was don't overthink it. If you're don't doing that, if you're taking control and you're doing great things most of the time, don't overthink the rest. I, I agree with you. I think it's really to be healthy, I think really can be so simple. And I don't mean to be dismissive of people who are dealing with chronic illness right now. And I feel for you and I hope that you can find people to help support you and unpack that. But if we're just talking prevention, it's not don't overthink it. Go back to the basics. We are overcomplicating things. Sleep, water, community movement, joy, real food, you know, think less things out of packages, more things from the planet like that. That is it. Think about what were we doing 10,000 years ago when you held that skull and there are no cavities in that ancestral human. What were they doing? They weren't flossing and brushing. They weren't debating what toothpaste to use. <laughs> they weren't using toothpaste. You know what I mean? So anyway yeah. just go just try to live more sim i think we need to simplify mm. that's what Perf i think 
perfect place to end. Thank you so yeah. much for yes. joining us. I loved Thank it. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And that is today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. A reminder, we have so many fantastic shows in our archives these days. If this particular topic was helpful to you, head over to lowtoxlife.com forward slash podcast and click on the podcast directory, which gives you food, body, home, mind, and environmental health topics segmented so you can see all the shows that we've done in all of those areas and head straight to what you want. A reminder, we also have 10 fabulous e-courses that I've written with various doctors, naturopaths, health professionals, and experts over the years to support you on your low-tox journey, whether it's making daily swaps, getting ready to make babies, looking after your inflammation, you can hit the courses tab on lowtoxlife.com to explore those. And lastly, I would love to meet you on socials. Go and head over to at lowtoxlife on Instagram or find us on Facebook. It's always such a pleasure to chat and see how you guys are going when you share favorite shows and share them with your friends. I absolutely love that. A little reminder, of course, that all of our shows are not intended as medical advice. They are intended to open the minds and hearts of people and maybe help you explore something you hadn't considered yet, but please always check in with your health professional. And one last little request, if you have time to leave us a review wherever you listen to this podcast, that would just mean the world to me because it helps us get out there and have other people have confidence that that thing they're considering pressing play on is absolutely worth it. I'll catch you for the next show you tune into. Thanks for joining me again. This is Alex Stewart, founder of Lotox Life.